good news is God did. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is over all of this. And, and, and I just know that God wanted to prepare the hearts of the people at Hewland and our guests to know that regardless of what the headlines read, regardless of how crazy a world it is that we're living in, regardless of whether it's the end times or not, that you can come under the protection of God and you can honor God by recognizing that throughout your life there's been times where his hand was upon you and prevented you from doing something dangerous, something that could have cost you your life. His hedge of protection was around you and your family. See, we take that for granted. We take our health for granted until the doctor tells us something's wrong. Some of you are healthy until you go to a doctor. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Daddy, are you awake? You're supposed to say amen. My daddy felt fine and was healthy as an ox till he went to a doctor. But at any rate, we can take the protection of God for granted. We can take God's hand over us for granted. And I hope that through this sermon series, you're recognizing that God has protected you and is protecting you. Uh, it's funny how we're living in a day and time where uh, the focus has become all about vaccinations. Uh, get your flu shot. Uh, get your COVID shot, get your booster shot, get another booster shot, get another booster shot after that, but get vaccinated and then get tested. Never before, yeah, and never before have these things become such a hot button issue. Uh, <clears throat> never before has it really divided families and, and become so political. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, it's pit people against one another and even friends and it's caused division. Uh, I find it interesting, though, that in this debate about vaccinations, whether you're talking about chickenpox, measles, mumps, rubella, whether you're talking about all these newer vaccinations that they've come out with, and then, and then obviously COVID, and I'm sure they're working on a monkeypox one now. But at any rate, one of the things that often gets lost in this debate, because people get emotional on either side, one of the things that gets lost in it is here's the facts. No vaccine can give you 100% protection. It's meant to boost, it's meant to give you a little bit of an edge to boost your, watch this, watch this. This is, this is so amazing because doctors and medical professionals and so-called experts this week, who are idiots next week, right? Uh, regardless of, of, of what they say, they will tell you that these, these shots, whether it's COVID, mumps, measles, rubella, we're talking about all of them, it just gives you an added boost to your body's natural immunity to certain viruses, strains, and things of that nature. I love that they use the word natural because, you see, as a believer, you and I know that that's a doctor's or a scientist's way of admitting there is a God. That is the scientist and the medical professional's way of admitting there is a creator who has designed... Because if the, if the body... If the body has a natural immunity, if it comes from creation and it had a designer, the designer knew that your body needed certain systems in place, and these vaccines that they give us, and the, 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 they just add, they boost to your body's natural immunity to certain things. What's so interesting about that is some of those same people that really push uh, wanting to get vaccinated or not get vaccinated, there's people that have emotions and feelings on either side of this, What's so interesting to me is many people, atheists and agnostics, will say things like this. Well, your God doesn't protect you. Or 
they either make it a matter of will or they make it a matter of power or ability. And this is what I'm going to tell you. I'll take every little bit of God's protection and God's hand over me that I can get. Because regardless of whether I go through a storm or not, if I have God's protection, he'll get me through that storm. He will protect me. He will watch over me. I want all the extra boost that I can get living in these strange days that we live in. And anybody that denies that there's a creator, anybody that denies that there, there is a creator of all this, you know, I love the quote that there are no atheists in foxholes. When the heat gets turned up, when the crisis hits their home, when, when, when the drama breaks out all around them, we start finding out that even those avowed atheists can be humbled in those times of crisis and in those experiences and cry out to a God that just yesterday they said didn't exist. Psalm 91 is a psalm of protection. It is a psalm of protection. And I want us to be aware of how good God's protection is over us. So we're going to start in Psalm 91. We're going to begin again in verse 1, but we're going to read all the way through verse 10. For today's focus, we're going to be focusing on verse 9 and 10. But for those of you that weren't with us or haven't been with us, we want, to, we want you to get the full context of this. So would you please stand, if you're physically able, in honor of the reading of God's holy, inspired, and errant word. <laughs> Psalm 91, the words will be up on the screen for your convenience, beginning at verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Now our focus. Verse 9. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, your word does not return void according to the prophet Isaiah, which means when your word is read, when your word is understood and believed and applied, things happen. It does not return void. So today, by the moving of your Holy Spirit, by the reading of your Holy Word, we want to be changed. We want to be challenged. We want to commit. We want to, to make a decision today that will change our future. And so, Father, today, be glorified in everything that's done in this place. Speak to that wayward heart. Speak to that rebellious, calloused heart. Speak to that person that has taken for granted your hand of protection. Break through the distractions and stubbornness 
and today reveal yourself to that one that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Because thou hast made. I'm reading from the King James from the sermon series because of the richness of the language. But verse 9 starts off, because, because thou hast made the Lord. In other words, it's a continuation of the first eight verses. And because you have made the Lord, which is your refuge, then because you've done that, because you've staked your claim, because you have placed your faith in Jesus, because you have gotten under the umbrella of his protection, because of that, watch what it says, he's your refuge, even the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. First of all, it uses a word there, refuge. Uh, in fact, the word can be interchangeably uh, used with refuge or hope because he is my hope he is my shelter he is my refuge now here's what's interesting in that context the hebrew word is makase makase and which sounds very similar to our brothers south of the border who say mikasa mikasa right so isn't it interesting that in an ancient language hebrew the word makase, makase, means shelter. It's who you get under his protection. You seek him when you need a refuge. You seek him as your hope. The words can be used. Shelter, refuge, hope. All of them are linked in that text and in that context of that passage there. He is our shelter. Watch this. He is our shelter during the storm. Notice I didn't say he's a shelter and there won't be a storm. He's your shelter during the storm because life will have bad days. Life will have storms. Life will have challenges. And he is to be your shelter in those days that end in why. He is your hope in those days where there seems to be no hope. He is your refuge, your umbrella, your protection. Come under him. But go back to what it says in verse 5. Because thou hast made, because you placed your faith in him, he's your shelter. He's your hope. He's your refuge. Because you have said, God, I worship you. God, I believe you. Because you staked your claim on faith and you said, I believe, then the reward of that is he's your shelter. He's your refuge. He's your hope. But that's not all. Look at what else it says. In fact, in this crazy and unstable world. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, on our way to church today, it is Sunday. I don't know if you're aware of that. Many of my neighbors aren't. Um, <laughs> on our way to church today, we passed a guy on Airline Drive that had a big Palestinian flag on his back window. Now, that may not mean anything to 99% of you, but as someone who has gone to Israel numerous times and loves Israel and supports Israel, uh, the whole idea of a Palestinian flag, first of all, there is no Palestinian country. People that say they're Palestinian, uh, even the first generation people that say they're Palestinian, if you go pull their birth certificate, Yasser Arafat, you know where he was born? Cairo, Egypt. Last time I checked, Cairo, Egypt means you're an Egyptian. But yet, remember, he, he went on TV with that little funny-looking hat and claimed that he was a Palestinian? No, you're not. That would be like some of you who are embarrassed to tell people you're from Louisiana, so you 
make something up. Where are you from? You're on an airplane, you're flying somewhere. Where are you from? Uh, you know, Kansas. Uh, <laughs> look, may, maybe, maybe Arafat was embarrassed about where he was from. And, and maybe a lot of those people are. But I can tell you this. You pull their birth certificate, Jordan. Jordan is its own country. They have their own country. They have their own king. They have their own policies. They, they have their own boundaries. You pull most of those Palestinians' birth certificates, and if it doesn't say Jordan, if it doesn't say Egypt, you know where else it'll say? Iran. Last time I checked, Iran is a country. Go to your country. Be proud of the country you're from instead of declaring that you live in Israel and you are a Palestinian. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. So on the way to church in Bossier City, Louisiana, on Airline Drive, there's a guy with a big Palestinian flag on his back windshield. Now, if that's not enough, we get towards the railroad track. And at the railroad track, there's that shopping center where Belisera and a few other places are. And there is a guy walking through the parking lot. And let me just tell you this. Many of you know my day job. My day job is a probation and parole officer. I see a guy, and I know what's happening. He's tweaking bad in Bossier City, Louisiana, on airline drive. I mean, he doesn't know what country he's in. He doesn't know what galaxy he's in. And, I, and this is my reaction to it. I didn't laugh. It, didn't, it wasn't funny. My reaction is absolute frustration with the demonic hold that it has on people in our city. It is in our community. It is not just in California. It is not just in New York City. It has come to your house, to your neighborhood, down the street from you. And if you don't address this issue, and if you don't do something about it, we will lose this community. We will lose this state, and we will lose this country. But enough of us aren't frustrated with it. Enough of us aren't burdened about it. Enough of us don't care. Because until it's at your doorstep and somebody's tweaking and they don't know they're at your house and they think they're at their house and they try and barge in, now all of a sudden you want to get upset. Now all of a sudden when it's in your front yard, you want to do something about it. you got to stop it before it's in your front yard. Because then it's too late. This is on my way to church today, on a Sunday. And I'm seeing it more and more. Don't ride around North Highlands. In fact, some of you ought to take a field trip one day. The women's ministry ought to take a field trip to North Highlands, by God. Y'all be so scared. Y'all wouldn't think y'all were in Shreveport anymore. The people just walking out in the middle of the road like it's Woodstock. Just out of their mind because of a demonic stronghold of drugs. Despite all that, it was as if God was showing me that to give me an illustration that even with all that going on, God, Jesus Christ, is our happy place in this crazy It was as if God was saying, I am your protection. In fact, the, the guy that was tweaking was heading towards our vehicle. And so I'm watching him. And he literally changed his direction and walked the other way. He is our happy place in this crazy space. For the Christian... I want you to think about this. What is the worst thing that can happen to you? If, if you're facing a storm, if you're going through 
a crisis, what is the, like, take that worst case scenario that you get spun up or worried about. What is the worst thing that could happen to you? Death? Jesus already solved that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if my heart, and it will happen one day if the rapture doesn't take place, if my heart stops beating, that ain't so bad for me. It's a win-win. Hello, somebody. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? If the storm hits, if you go through a crisis, what's the worst that can happen to you? Look, Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So while I live, I, I, I witness for Christ, I serve Christ, and I love others for Christ. If I die, then that's gain. I've gained heaven. That's right. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into thy reward. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? See, Jesus already took care. They, they tell me, and I can't believe this, but they tell me that one of the biggest fears that people have is public speaking. <laughs> the second biggest fear that they have is death. People fear getting up in front of a crowd talking more than they fear death. But it still surprises me that death is number two. And like number three is like snakes. <laughs> you know, that was one of the first things I asked Jill Land when I came here. Y'all handle snakes. That last preacher got bit. So Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. So listen, don't get it twisted though. Please don't get it twisted. I'm not infatuated with death. I'm not. I don't worship death. I'm not infatuated with death. I'm infatuated with Jesus. And death for me means to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. So I'm not infatuated with dying or with death. I'm infatuated with Jesus. And I, I, it amazes me how sometimes we think that, that, uh, <clears throat> that, you know, okay, so I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and we treat it like fire insurance, a lot of Christians do. I got a fire insurance policy, you know, just in case. And a lot of people treat faith like that. Let me just tell you, if, if all Jesus is to you is a fire insurance policy, meaning Jesus keeps you out of hell, if that's all he is to you, then you are literally functioning at the lowest part of Christianity that even exists. You're lower than a gnat's rear end. That's pretty low, isn't it? Probably can't say that in a Methodist church, can you? Probably not an Episcopal church for sure. If that's all Jesus is to you, you're missing out on 99% of what this faith life is like. You're, you're missing out on victorious living. You're missing out on the joy that only Jesus can bring you. You're, you're missing out on so much if all Jesus is to you is fire insurance. Now, I do want to explain something. Faith in God does not make you bulletproof. It makes you fear resistant. Do you know the difference between something that is waterproof and water resistant. Some of you learned this the hard way. You bought a watch. It said it was water resistant. And you went, Debbie, that happened to you? <laughs> Did it really? So, so, so you get a watch and it says water resistant. And, and you didn't really read too much into that. You were like, oh, that's just what I need. And, and then like, Debbie, you go down to Bermuda and you go scuba diving or whatever she did. 
And you realize that when the water, the water reaches a certain depth, the phone is not capable. It resists the water, but it is not waterproof. The water does penetrate it at certain depths and under certain pressure situations. So there's a tremendous difference between waterproof, which means that it totally is safe from water, versus water resistant, which means up to a certain point. So watch this. Belief in Jesus is, is the same idea. It, it doesn't make you bulletproof. You can't go out there and do something stupid and be like, ah, God will protect me. <laughs> it makes you fear resistant. Not bulletproof, but fear resistant. Because you'll recognize, okay, what's the greatest fear? If it is public speaking, God's got this. If it is snakes, God's got this. If it is whatever it is, death, God's already figured all that out. So that's where faith resistance comes in. You're not bulletproof. You're not living ignorantly. and You're not risking and living risky behavior because, oh, God's going to protect me. No, it's about having the, the faith that in the storm, did you catch that? In the storm, there's going to be storms. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be crisis. There's going to be grief. There's going to be sorrow because we live in a fallen world among fallen people. And do you know that not... <laughs> Do you know that fallen people aren't just the ones that tweet? Fallen people aren't just the ones that find themselves in prison. You're fallen. We're all fallen. The fall of Adam and Eve has affected us all. From the top to the middle to the bottom. From the rich to the middle class to the poor. It has affected all. There's a tremendous difference between waterproof and water resistant. There will be problems. There will be plagues. There will be persecution. But those who know Jesus Christ have his presence, his promise, and his protection during that time. Suho John lived in New York City. He was an immigrant to our nation. And he was married. His wife was pregnant. Both Suho John and his wife worked in New York City in the Twin Towers. He worked on the 81st floor of the North Tower and she worked in the South Tower. And on September 11th, when the buildings were struck by a plane that was hijacked by Muslim terrorists, Suho John survived and was trying to make the cross down and over from the North Tower to the South Tower to check on his wife. When all of a sudden they heard a tremendous explosion and a twisting sound as the building started to collapse. And this is what he said, Suho John. As the building collapsed, I heard God say to me in my spirit, not in an audible voice, but something much more loud. <laughs> it's going to be okay. And as the building collapsed and he survived amid the smoke, the twisted steel, and the sound of screams, Suho John said, I remembered the verse of Scripture. Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Suho John, an immigrant to this country, began saying, Jesus, 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 as loud as he could. And as he said it, others started saying it, Jesus, Jesus. The building is collapsed. People are dead. People are crawling over other people's dead bodies. And off in the distance, Suho John, as he's crying out to the name of Jesus, saw a red blinking light. 
And something in him said, go towards the red light. And he went towards the light and crawled out. And as he crawled out, he realized that that red blinking light was from an ambulance that was at ground level that now had a building collapsed on top of it. But the red flashing light gave Suho John the hope, the hope that he would get out of that building. He crawled out and realized that he was still alive. He was inhaling all of that smoke and ash and, and, and concerned, but not for himself. Now he had the realization, but what about my wife? When she was pregnant, did my wife make it? Did the baby make it? He found out after an hour of agony, after surviving all of that, it took an hour, but he found out his wife was late to work that day. He said in an interview, I used to make fun of my wife when we would set dates or appointments. I left the house earlier and got on the subway. She left later, and I would always pick on her and give her a hard time about being late for her own funeral. He said, after 9-11, I'll never make fun of that again. Because on that day, her tardiness saved her life. And then he said this. I don't believe it was an accident that she was late. He said, God stopped her. She got ready early that day. She had everything in order. And even thought to herself, according to Suho John, she was finally going to be on time. And at the last minute, she felt a sharp pain in her belly. And so out of concern, she monitored her blood pressure. She made sure everything was okay and was sitting down in her living room when new, the news reports of the very first plane hitting came on the TV. Mama and baby were fine and are fine. And Suho John lived to tell the story that God protected him. Don't get it twisted. The, the planes attacked, the buildings collapsed, and many lives were lost that day. God's protection saved Suho John, saved his wife, and saved his little baby. There will be attacks, there will be storms, but in those storms, in those attacks, call on Jesus, claim his protection, claim his promises, and cling to him tighter than you ever have before. Let's pray.